This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week, going out your way this Thursday, the 21st of November 2019, the year being. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. I wish you good reception conditions. Today's show, of course, as always, is going out a wide variety of means. It's going out to you online via YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pocket Casts, many, many more platforms as well. We're going out on the shortwave to North America on 7780 kHz and to Europe on 6020 kHz. So no matter how you're listening, when you're listening, or where you're listening from, I wish you good reception conditions. Hope you enjoy this broadcast. I wanted to give a little bit of an update as to how uh, I'm doing. Like I said, I'll, I'll keep this one brief. Compa- compared to last week, things are are pretty much the same. <clears throat> I think things have stabilized a bit, uh, but I, you know, I, I largely expected that. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's one of those things. Look, this stuff takes time. And uh, that's all that there is to it. It takes time. So, it'll be as long as it is, um, but no no substantial updates otherwise. I mean, I've, I'm moving around more. I'm trying to, you know, take some little walks here and there, but nothing incredible. Sometimes it's just, it frustrates me uh, because, you know, I want to I move around faster. Uh, I want to just be able to go and pick something up and not, have to worry about it, but sometimes I'll forget, and then I'll do something, and then, you know, there's that sharp pain once again, but it's just something I'll get used to, and, uh, again, in time, it'll, it'll get better. I just, it was, it was one hell of a fall. That's all that there is to it. Uh, your thoughts on the show, of course, are welcome. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Today's program is going to feature... Uh, a mailbag show. We're going to get to a lot of your miscellaneous correspondence. Lots of wonderful emails uh, to get to. And again, the address for correspondence. We'd love to hear from you. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Just to get this out of the way bright and early, uh, please consider supporting this broadcast. Help keep it going. A donation via PayPal to V-O-R-W. I-N-F-O at gmail.com would do a world of good. And if you'd, if you'd prefer not to use PayPal, you could also support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. The show costs a lot of money to do. Help keep it going if you can. So if that's where it comes down to, short, sweet, to the point, but please, just because I rushed it, uh, don't let that undermine its importance because it's very important. But anyway, back to the show. So I wanted to make a few uh, quick changes to the broadcast today. Um, you know, just in regards to the order of it, because sometimes we have an idea. We we have an idea how we think the show is going to be, how we think it's going to go out. Um, you know what exactly we want, but then you know, kind of, it could even be last minute. That's okay. You want to change it? You say, well, I don't, I don't really know how I feel about this. I don't really know how this will work out. Um, 
if it's something that I really want to do this way, etc., etc. So that's why I'm changing the order of this show. Originally, I was going to do, I was going to start things off with like a lengthy discussion slash rant um, about COPPA, the uh, Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. Um, but then I, I decided I don't want to, I don't want to make that the focal point of the show. I'm still going to talk about it, but I think it's just, it's better for everyone if it's kind of put more toward the end, because we hear a lot about it, and you just, when you're talking about things like this, you have to be careful about what you're saying. Uh, you know, sometimes people say, look, you can say whatever you want, uh, that, you know, there's some truth to that, but that doesn't mean that there won't be repercussions for your actions, whether there should or shouldn't be, that's another story, but doesn't mean that you're safe. Even though you can say what you want, doesn't mean that, you know, no one can do anything to you uh, in that case. So, you gotta be very careful, especially when, I mean, the whole thing is about that they're going after creators, and uh, it'll get very bad, in my opinion. So, when you are a target... Even if you you shouldn't be, you have no reason to be. You just gotta you gotta tread lightly. So, anyway, I'm not gonna make a big stink about it, and I'm not going to, you know, that was my original plan, but that's not gonna happen. I kind of I changed that. So it'll be it'll be later on in the show, but that's something that I'll be talking about. Otherwise, today's broadcast is an open lines show. We've got some good correspondence uh, jotted down here. And if you have any feedback, it's always welcome. Send me an email, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O, at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O, at gmail.com. But we've got a lot of good listener letters, lots of good pieces of feedback here, and uh, I just want to get to them. So we'll do that, and then we'll get over to the uh, segment about the the privacy and the, the kids and I, I just, trust me, I don't think that it's about the kids. I don't think it ever was, but that's my my personal um, thoughts. But anyway, let's go into the correspondence right now, just the random, random stuff. Uh, so we've got an email coming in from Tommy who says, I listen to the podcast via Spotify, but I've never heard any of the music. Uh, I listened to the update broadcast, and you had said you had a song to play, but it sounded as if it was cut. Is the music cut on Spotify uploads? I remember a long time ago when I first listened on SoundCloud, the music was included. Uh, So thank you very much for your question, Tommy. Yeah, unfortunately for the online shows, there's no music anymore. Uh, The show used to be a balance of music and talk, where I would be discussing things and I would play some music, give a few shout-outs, and I would talk some more. Uh, and that was a lot of fun to do, but unfortunately, as with many things, many good things, copyright gets in the way, and uh, you kind of get a slap on the wrist, and you say, don't do that anymore. So, I can't have the um, music shows online anymore, I can't do it the way that it used to be done. Uh, the good news, of course, is that with Shortwave, uh, that's I'm still able to do that, I'm still able to do the music on, on Shortwave, so I do that every week. No one really, you know, cares, but uh, I still do it. And uh, it also goes out on TuneIn. That's 
why I promote the, the tune-in stream so often every Thursday, because it's literally the only chance people have to hear any music at this point. So, I do the music shows, and I do the talk shows. They're two distinctly separate um, programs. Uh, one thing that I do with the music show, if you ever want, on Patreon, I have the music shows posted there, available for patrons only. So if you do want to help out this broadcast, help support it, um, a way to unlock them and, and listen online anytime is uh, patreon.com slash the report of the week. But now otherwise, if I was able to, I would I would play the music still. It was just such a great little bit of a break. You know, you can kind of catch your breath <laughs> in the metaphorical sense. A little breather is a nice little change from hearing hearing me incoherently ramble for two hours. It was just nice, but, you know, it is what it is. I just can't... It's not worth it when you think of all the, all the fines, you name it. It's just not... You know how it is. So, I miss it, but nothing I can do. I just have to shrug my shoulders. I say, look, there's nothing that I can do about it, and that's the end of that. But thank you for your question once again. Uh, and again, if anyone has any questions, any comments, uh, pieces of feedback, send in an email, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Uh, we've got an email coming in from Hans in Belgium. Concerning a subject, I hear a lot of talk about the generational gap and the OK Boomer meme. It's even made the news on our Belgian news website. Do you think that the current generation is worse and more impolite than the previous generation? Uh, is it a natural thing for a younger generation to go through a collective punk phase and stand up to the older generation? What is your view on it? And also, what is it like to talk into a microphone for extended periods of time? Do you feel relaxed after it? Um, does it feel like lifting a weight off your back? I'd be done talking in five minutes, but you're able to keep the monologue fresh and engaging for a long time. So thank you, Hans, in Belgium. Uh, number one, the OK Boomer um, meme. OK Boomer is one of those interesting things. I wouldn't say that this generation is any worse or any more impolite than the previous generation. I, th I think everyone is equally, um, equally bad, in a way. They're, you know, because that's just the way that it's always been. Everyone complains about the generation, you know, about other generations. That's how it's always been. That's how it's always been. So, it goes both ways. Older generations complain about the younger generations. The younger generations complain about the older generations. That's how it's always been, I think, since the beginning of, uh, of humanity, anyway. And I think it's just human nature. So it's there's nothing new about that. Sometimes I'm sure it feels like it, but there's nothing new. Perhaps just more, more widespread means to express one's discontent, but that's it. So the whole OK Boomer thing is just people um, who are upset with the baby boomer generation and um, they, they feel, you know, that they just don't like the attitudes, the mindsets, that they feel that they were screwed over, and, uh, it's, you know, that, that's their way of expressing their displeasure. Now, 
the one thing, look, people can say what they want to say. And uh, that's all that there is to it. This is just a new means of expressing feelings that have been there from the beginning. It's not like all of a sudden relations just went down the tube. Uh, they, they are exactly where they always have been. It's just, again, a different means of saying it. Now, one thing that I think people need to understand is that we can kind of get caught up in an echo chamber uh, if people are thinking about baby boomers and you get caught up in this echo chamber where it's only bad things to say about them. And I'm sure the same thing exists with boomers where there might be groups where they have nothing good to say about uh, younger generations either. But as a result, things can get very stereotypical very fast. And then you'll start having this ideology that every last boomer uh, is an evil, uh, you know, piece of trash, to, to say it in a non-profane manner, and that they're all terrible people and that they deserve no respect, whatever. And then the same thing can happen where they might be looking at younger people, they might say the same thing, that every young person is... Um, just immature and angry and filled with hatred and vitriol and discriminatory and this and that and uh, selfish. And, and as a result, you start, you start saying, oh, they're young, they have to be this way, or, or they're old, uh, and they have to be this way. And you, you have this disdain for people when you don't even know them. You don't know what they're going through, who they are, and it's no different than just going and you know, having those um, racist, uh, sexist, uh, discriminatory attitudes. It's no different than that, you know. Some people make a joke out of ageism, but it's a real thing. People most certainly are discriminated against due to their age. Um, but obviously, that's the one thing. It's okay to have your frustrations with, with other generations, and some of them are very, very valid. You know, it goes both ways. Um, and I don't have a problem with the okay boomer thing. You know, so many bad, bad things have been said to me. You know, it just is what it is. So people can say what they want, and, you know, boomers can have their retorts, and, you know, that's fine. But I strongly disagree with looking at people who are a certain age and lumping them into this one category that they obviously have to be bad people, and that they deserve to be demeaned in this way or that way, uh, that I disagree with. Are there baby boomers who are some of the most disgusting, evil, insufferable people imaginable? Absolutely. Are there members of the silent generation that are just as bad? Yeah. Are there some aging members of the greatest generation that are even worse? A hundred percent. Are there Gen Xers that are evil? Yes. Are there millennials that are horrible people? Yes. Generation Z, the terrible people? Absolutely. That's the thing people forget. There are bad people in every single generation. It's not just one group that's totally evil and everyone else is saintly. Not at all. Bad people, they're universal and they span every age. So that's the one thing. Please don't get caught up in um, letting this get to you and just start looking at certain age groups as they have to be this or they have to be that. There's some bad people in every group. 
So those are my thoughts. One um, one quote that it reminded me of that I had forgotten about. Do you remember the quote where they say, you know, oh, it's just, you never hear the whole thing usually because it's, it's just funny how when you take the excerpt from it and then you look at the entire quote, they're, they're used so differently. You know, the phrase like, oh, it's just a bad apple, just a few bad apples, you know. When people use that phrase, bad apple, out of the, uh, they don't use the whole quote, uh, it's usually implied to say that you had a group of people, but most of them are fine, and it was just one or two of them that were bad, um, you know, and maybe they kind of, you know, ruined something, but not everyone is bad, you know, it was just a few bad people and what's the group of otherwise good people, right? Uh, so when it's used just on its own, that's that's how it's usually implied. That, oh, you know, you have a group of people, it's just, you know, two of them that were up to no good, everyone else is okay, though. And it's a shame they ruined it, but not everyone is, is vile. Uh, but when you look at the entire quote, uh, the entire quote is, one bad apple spoils the barrel, uh, which implies that all it takes is one bad person to use their influence uh, to corrupt everyone else and transform what would otherwise be good people um, into bad as well. It's just, it's, it's just funny how, you know, you tack a few extra words and then it has a completely different meaning than how you always see it used. But I don't know why, I just, I read that the other day and I thought, oh yeah, I forgot about the bad apple quote. Anyway, we've got an email coming in from Brooke who says, I have a question Relating to food, have you tried any meal kits, uh, like HelloFresh or Blue Apron? What do you think? Of oh, and you know what? I'm sorry. I'm not going to edit that out. Um, just to answer your second question, Hans, in regards to how I feel after talking uh, for a few hours in front of a microphone, uh, <laughs> I know it's kind of an underwhelming answer, but I just feel the same as I, I did when I um, when I first started talking. No different. It's... It's like there's any sort of weight that's lifted off my shoulders. It's just, um, this is something to do. And then now that the task at hand is done, usually I'll just take a big, a big swig of water, maybe take a little break, and then I'll just edit the audio together and uh, get to work. So, no, it's not like it's any sort of spiritual experience or anything like that. But anyway, uh, I, I kind of preempted things, but let's go to the email I was about to read. Anyway, from Brooke, who said, uh, question regards to food. Have you tried any meal kits like HelloFresh or Blue Apron? Uh, what do you think of them? Are they worth the money? And said, have a great day. So I've never personally tried the meal kits. Um, I have not. However, I do know, I do know someone who did try them out. And I mean, this is a secondhand, so... You know, I, 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 again, I cannot confirm this. It might be different. I might hate them. I have no clue. But they said that the quality, they used HelloFresh. Uh, the quality was good, and the meals were good, but it can be very time-consuming. So they said treat it more like something to do, um, having some fun with it, and, uh, you know, maybe practicing your cooking skills. If you look at it 
from that, that angle, you'll be okay. But if you try to get it, and you're just getting home from work, you just want something to eat right now, something easy, uh, and then it might not be for you, because again, they said it could just be very time-consuming. If it's done right, it could pay off, and it could taste really good, but it's just something that you need time to be able to do successfully. And that's what I've heard anyway, but I can't say that that's, that's correct or not. So that's what we've, we've got there. Um, we'll get to some miscellaneous feedback, too. Jason in Grand Forks, North Dakota, says, I wanted to write in to let you know that I've, uh, I listened to the beginning of the last show, and it kind of inspired me to get healthier. I'm currently a little overweight and have a pretty terrible diet, um, but life can certainly be fleeting, so I figure I will control what I can and then let the rest work itself out. Thanks for everything, and I'll include you in my prayers for healing. So thank you so much, Jason. And I wish you the very best in your your quest to get healthier. So best of luck to you, Jason. Stay strong. And uh, yeah, you know, do your body right. It's most important. And we've also got a, a short letter from a listener in Egypt who said, Tonight is one of those nights where I can't seem to escape the dark and negative thoughts. Um, but you gave me a reason to take the car out and go for a late night drive while listening to the music you played on your show, and maybe that'll clear my mind. So he was a listener to the the music show. And thank you very much for your kind words. You know, that's the thing. Um, you know, going and, and listening to some music is sometimes a wonderful, wonderful little break from, you know, bad thoughts. Sometimes music can really do a world of good, can really help. And uh, thank you for your kind words over in Egypt. We got some uh, emails last week from uh, listeners who had gotten an accident. I want to read a few of them because we were just talking about injuries and I was saying, you know, if, if any of you ever have gone through that, um, let me know if you want to share your thoughts, if you're comfortable with that. So I kind of sorted through the emails and we have a few that are in that light. So let's get to them. Uh, Christine in Manila, Philippines says, I never experienced having an injury that made a huge impact on me, um, but please allow me to tell you about my father's accident while he was working on a construction site in Riyadh, uh, Saudi Arabia, nearly two years ago. Uh, my dad forgot to put on a safety harness while standing on a scaffold. He suddenly slipped, fell a couple stories high, and landed on a pile of lumber. Had it not been for that lumber placed there, my dad would have fallen flat on the ground. He was rushed to the hospital, and two days later I got a phone call from him informing me about the accident. Uh, we both cried as he told me what happened, and if things got worse, uh, he would have been shipped home in a coffin. I almost lost my dad, and it scared me to tears. He received a lot of bruises on his limbs and back, and his spine had gotten a bit bent, um, but it healed quickly. After a few weeks of physical therapy, he was able to move again, although rather slowly. He continued to work in Riyadh after the accident, but I know for sure that he learned his lessons to always put safety above all else, and to cherish his time with me and my brother, even if we're miles apart. Uh, nowadays, he calls us more often than he did before the accident. So that was from Christine in Manila, Philippines, 
in regards to just an experience that her dad had. And uh, that's really scary. But, you know, it sounds, yeah, like, you know, he, he realized I have to be, I have to be safer. Life is really precious. And, you know, I want to, I want to savor and, and value my time. So I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's doing much better. Uh, we've got an email from Tiffany in St. Louis, Missouri. She says, this injury is from a long while ago, but it affected my whole entire life. When I was 14 years old, I loved going to shows of my favorite local bands with my friends. And crowd surfing was the thing to do, and I was young and fearless. I ended up being dropped on my head and being knocked unconscious. I woke up in the arms of a large bouncer. Uh, my mom came to pick my friends and I up, but I didn't tell her what happened. Uh, seeing as I still wanted to go to shows in the future. I'm sure I had a concussion, and I'm very lucky I woke up the next day. About a year later, my mom found me unconscious in the closet with wet pants. At the time, she thought I tried to commit suicide, but it turns out I was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy that was most likely due to the trauma uh, from the fall. I had to fess up to the doctors and my mom about the fall for a proper diagnosis. I have two types of seizures, grand, mal, and absent seizures. Uh, they are controlled at the moment, but they've affected my whole life, including my memory, uh, that is pretty bad due to medications and the seizures themselves. Uh, your timing for the question about injuries is pretty great, considering November is Epilepsy Awareness Month. So thank you, Tiffany in St. Louis, for writing in and checking in. And sorry to hear about that. And I think it goes to show, yeah, falls are just, they can be very scary. And that's one thing that I have to just keep an eye on. The repercussions sometimes aren't immediate. Sometimes they are, but sometimes uh, what's, you know, the neurological issues that can be resulting, they can they can take time to emerge. So glad you got that checked out at least. And uh Going over to Gabby in Maryland, in regards to your prompt, I actually experienced an accident this week. On Tuesday morning, I was driving to work. My car hydroplaned, and I hit the car in front of me. It had been storming all night, and as it was very early, uh, it was very dark, and I couldn't see the road. It wasn't raining anymore, but I just didn't realize how wet the road was. But anyway, I couldn't slow down, and my brakes locked up. So I couldn't turn, and I just smashed into the car in front of me. Luckily, no other cars were involved. Neither of us were seriously injured. But the front of my car was smashed and is likely totaled. I have a cut on my forehead, and I'm extremely sore, but otherwise uninjured. And I feel very lucky that I wasn't hurt more uh, than I was, and that the man I hit uh, was also okay. All the paramedics and police involved were very understanding of the circumstance, and I opted not to go to the hospital, as I know the symptoms of a concussion, and I figured I could monitor my condition on my own. Um, but I do have a terrible headache and soreness that I know won't go away for a while. So that was from Gabby in Maryland. Automobile accidents, too, can be scary, though at least, you know, cars nowadays, of course, still dangerous, but at least I think they're a lot safer than what they used to be. Uh, you know, and you have, like, the crumple zones where, yeah, if there is an impact like that, you know, just using the physics, uh, 
it'll try and take as much of that that pressure, that force, so it doesn't go into you, but rather into those those areas instead. Bad for the car, but certainly good for you. Uh, also going over to Brad in Florida, says, I used to, or actually says, I used to live in Florida. So he says, one day I was uh, up power washing the roof when I fell off the ladder onto concrete and dislocated my shoulder. Uh, they took me to the hospital where they gave me something that made me feel really, really good and popped it back in. It felt so good when I when I got home, I climbed back up there and finished the job. In hindsight, that was probably not a good idea, but I survived. Thanks for your show. So thank you, Brad. They must have they must have given you something really strong there. But yeah, not the wisest thing, but you know, at least you didn't fall back down after that. And you made it. You made it in one piece. You got the job done. But what's done is done, and, and you're still here, which is great. Uh, Mark in Vancouver Island, Canada, now to some. He he had some miscellaneous feedback and also a little bit of a story there. He says, number one, do you think uh, with the huge increase of shortwave radio sales uh, from eBay, Amazon, etc., that maybe the interest in shortwave will bring about more signals? As of late, I've been looking at numbers from Texan, XH, Data, etc., and it's mind-blowing. So that's the first thing he has. Um, I, I don't think so. I know it's pessimistic for me to say, but the problem is that, you know, there will be there always are new programs. There won't be any new stations, I don't think, because the costs of building a radio station are so astronomically expensive, I just can't see that being that happening. I mean, like, if I won, if I had a billion dollars, I would build a station just for the heck of it. Um, but anything else, I would not invest a dime in, because it's just, it's a waste of money. And uh, instead, it's best to just purchase the airtime and go from there. Because the thing is, is that regardless of the sales, there is no way to tell how many of those radios are actually in use at any given moment. Like, let's say you saw the sales um, for, you know, the Texun PL660, which is the radio that I use. That's my go-to. And I mean, let's just say, for instance, I'm just making a, ra- a random number up. Uh, let's just say that in the last year, 100,000 got sold. Let's just make that number up. Out of that 100,000, there is no way to say, all right, um, how many of them are being used? How many of them did you know someone get and just not like, and they're just sitting in the corner? How many are being saved for an emergency? How many of them do people only listen to AM, FM radio on? How many do people actually use for shortwave? How frequently? So on. There's no way to know. So you just can't tell, you know, where they're actually going or what their usage is. Um, but I mean, there are new programs that still, that are that are good. You know, that are, are fun to listen to. That people do put on the airwaves. There's one show that came about this last year called "This Is a Music Show" that he plays some eclectic uh, vinyl records on the airwaves and that that's fun a lot of people like that there's a new classical music show that's also on the air you know there's a new return to the airwaves a hardcore conspiracy theorist show that comes on in in the middle of the night 
uh, and a bunch of new programs that uh, they, they still they still come to the air. There's a, a show, you know, by an attorney who answers legal questions. I mean, there's still obviously there's there's programs that get to the airwaves and uh, that people enjoy hearing that that keep it going. And I think that will continue as long as there's people who listen. Um, I just don't think there will be new stations. Uh, I mean, for instance, uh, station WBCQ in Monticello, Maine, built a 500-kilowatt transmitter for some flat earthers. And, uh, I mean, like, that that transmitter had some issues, and they recently had to spend $250,000 on repairs. Who has that kind of, of money for the most part? You know, who can just drop 250 k just like that? And, uh, you know, not, not a lot of people. Even if you get paid well, have a good job, I mean, that kind of money just doesn't doesn't grow on trees. So I think there will still be programs, but I don't expect there to be a full-blown revival unless something absolutely terrible happens and everything else goes out. But in that case, do you really want to see a shortwave revival with it kind of means po- post-apocalyptic conditions, you know? So that's the thing. Like... With Hurricane Katrina, when the entire New Orleans area got destroyed, um, a bunch of local AM stations ended up turning to shortwave and broadcast their news feed over shortwave to uh, cover New Orleans um, because the infrastructure was just that destroyed that that was the only way to get info in. But like, if those are the types of conditions that it takes um, to kind of get more stuff on shortwave like that, and uh, you know, I'd never want to see that, even if it means there's more to listen to. Never. But I think shortwave will be around for for a while, and uh, you know, the people. As long as what I always say is, if you if you listen to these programs, just send them an email here and there, and let them know that you listen, um, because you know, like I keep the show going, as long as I know that people are listening, right? If if I didn't get any emails for weeks. I would probably stop the show because I feel like it would be ineffectual. So just send your favorite programs a, a letter, an email here and there. Just let them know that they have a listener so they'll keep going. That's the most important thing. But anyway, Mark, uh, you continue uh, just about an injury. He said, I impaled myself on a piece of metal during a nine-foot fall. I was stuck on a rusty pipe through my jawbone. And it nicked my main artery in my neck. It was quite an exciting night. Uh, I could see my Adam's apple uh, because my skin was just torn open. I put a t-shirt around my head to hold my neck skin and called an ambulance. Uh, Once I jumped up in the ambulance, the guy said, that's a bad bump on your forehead. I said, it's my neck, undid the t-shirt, and the poor fellow dry heaved when he saw my neck. So... I know what you're going through in real life. That's from Mark. Absolutely, the falls are just really bad. And like, had had I had landed on something, I don't even want to think about it. It just could have been really bad. So thank you for your question, Mark, and your story as well. Uh, Tiffany in Canada is checking in. Says, I just listened to your podcast on the updates of your injuries, and I wish you a speedy recovery. And I also watched your YouTube update, and while it was upsetting to see the hospital pictures, uh, you look like you're doing better now. Your reflections on perspective after the accident really hit home. I'm glad you gained something positive from the fall. I recently came back from what I had originally intended, 
uh, to be an extended stay in Hong Kong, and I didn't realize just how uh, I took peace for granted. It wasn't even something that remotely crossed my mind when I lived in Toronto prior to my move, but now I'm back in Canada and I have a new appreciation for tranquility and civility. Yeah, Hong Kong, I mean, I just feel really bad, you know, can you, you know, the people over there, they're true, they're just, they're standing up for their freedom, more power to them, they're, they're fighting for what they believe in, and it's just really sad to see what's going on over there, and I just hope it doesn't get any worse, you know, when you had the, the recent uh, shootings there, the, the threats to, you know, use the live ammunition, you kind of ask yourself, what what's going to be next? What's going to happen next? How 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 far there is it going to go? And you just don't know. You know, Iran is another situation going on right now. You're having all these massive protests going on everywhere. Uh, Iran is a real scary one when you think about it, because Iran is a nation uh, with, I mean, a massive population. You know, eighty million individuals, possibly more. So it's huge. And recently there are all these protests going on. Uh, they're called the Iranian fuel protests um, because the economy over there isn't doing good. You know, the, the living situations could be better. People are getting fed up. It's, it's you know, they're getting to the end of the, the line. They're getting, they're getting really upset at how things are. And recently, the government there announced a massive, massive price hike uh, for fuel, saying that the price is going to increase over 200%. And I think this was the straw that broke the camel's back. People just, they're, they're through with it. So people are protesting about the increase in fuel prices, economic hardships, and they're also just fed up with uh, President Hassan Rouhani and Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei and just general opposition to the Islamic Republic. So they just want to see regime change. Uh, they want to see the corruption gone. They want there to be economic, social stability. So they're fed up. They took to the streets in Iran tens of thousands of people, and that's when it got bad. Um, you know, you started seeing footage right away from the security forces just killing people right there cold-blooded for protesting and then a huge a huge information blackout imposed across the entire country all internet shut off nothing is coming out of iran they're completely cut off no news no media um i'm sure widespread censorship of anything else all the shortwave broadcasts to Iran, all of a sudden they're getting jammed by the Iranian government. They're blaring this, you know, high-pitched squealing tone over the uh, news stations on the shortwave to try to make it unbearable for listeners to tune in. And the internet's been out for days and days. No one knows what's going on over there. Uh, there's reports that Hundreds of people might be dead. Um, the Iranian government is saying that everything's okay, that they've they've de defeated the protesters, but uh, everything is still blacked out, so no one knows what's going on. I mean, it could be 
uneventful. Things could be getting really bad. No one knows. They're completely cut off. And all the information that's coming in is a secondhand and very unreliable. So that's a scary thought to think that there's this nation of, you know, 80 million people that's like it's just off the face of the earth. No one knows what's going on in there. You know, have the protests stopped? Has it increased to riots? Is it on the brink of um, guerrilla warfare? I mean, what what's going on there? No one knows. So, yeah, it's just really scary. Uh, we take peace for granted. We, we most certainly do. Something I'm very, very thankful for. I do have a few pieces of uh, feedback that were recorded, a few pieces of audio correspondence that I want to get to also. I think we have about three that... I have lined up, so let's get to those now. Again, you're listening to VORW Radio International, the voice of the Report of the Week. And again, your questions, your comments, and your pieces of feedback, VORWINFO at gmail.com. That's VORWINFO at gmail.com. So let's go it over let's go over to our first piece of correspondence from Ameline. Hey, John, it's Ameline. Really, really enjoyed the last podcast. A lot of good content in there. Really enjoyed the parts about missing 411. Um, I've unfortunately missed the last few podcasts, but uh, tuned in to see how your recovery was going, and I'm glad to hear that it's happening at whatever rate it's happening. I'm glad it is. Uh, But I really wanted to talk about the weather because I live in Northeast Ohio, right in the snow belt. And, um, you know, there's a lot of mixed feelings on living here. If you talk to any of the locals, some of them say, you know, it's just, just, uh, how it is. Some of them hate it. And, um, if anyone's like me, they love it. I love every second of the winter. I love hiking in the snow, especially we actually got, a pretty good snowstorm last week. It was whiteout conditions and everything already this early. Um, Got uh, 8 to 12 inches and um, didn't really get to go out while it was actually snowing, but trudged through it in the days after. So it was a nice time. I, I hate the warmth. I gotta admit, I don't like the warmth. It gets pretty, pretty warm here in the summertime but not as hot as Florida I'm sure but I would I much prefer the winter and I agree that the cold is lingering but it's worth it um I hope you have a good rest of your day thanks for listening and can't wait to hear the next podcast so thank you very much for your feedback and that's the thing that there are lots of of temperature swings in that part of the country uh, where yes, you know, during the during the summer it can get very very warm, but it could it could swing all the way down. You know, of course, extremely cold in the winter. Uh, so you really do experience all the seasons there in Ohio, and like that's the thing. Like when it comes down to snow and the winter, I don't mind the aesthetic. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I like it. I think snow can be really really. Uh, pretty. It could be a sight to see, as it's falling down, as it's um, as it's coming down. Even the trees without the the leaves, like they're kind of 
you know, like like skeletons almost. You know, you see them with all the branches sticking out. I mean, it's that's cool. Even the 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 extra darkness, I don't mind. If it weren't for just the the sensitivity to cold that I have, um, I wouldn't mind the winter at all. If I if I wasn't so sensitive to cold, it wouldn't bother me. I would I'd be happy. I would go outside. I would be, it would be. I think my feelings toward the season would no, would be nowhere near as harsh as they are. That's the thing. It's just the cold always does me in. But otherwise, in terms of the aesthetic, I don't mind it at all. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, like I said, the snow can be very, very pretty. It's just that cold that just gets to me every time. It most certainly does. Uh, let's go over to Dan in Germany with a few thoughts as well. Hello, John, and all VRRW listeners. This is Dan from Nuremberg in Germany checking in. And I also have a story concerning the injuries and death topic which I want to share. So, basically, I like to repair and restore old tube radios in my spare time. So it's kind of a hobby of mine. And one day I wanted to measure something on a radio. I think it was voltage or anything. It doesn't matter right now anyways. But I was very uncareful at this point of time, and I accidentally touched a live wire with 230 volts on it. And thanks to my good reflexes and my high skin resistance, I sustained any further injuries or even escaped death. And that made me realize how grateful we should be for every day that we have here on Earth, and that we just can't take our lives for granted. Furthermore, it showed me that electricity is absolutely nothing to play with and that you should always take care of your safety, even if you think that it is just a hobby and nothing will happen. And yeah, thank you for sharing the story and until next time. Thank you very much for your story as well. Electricity, it's that it can really get you. You know, those, those wires, I mean, it can just, oof, it can do you in. I remember I saw a video last week where I think it was an electrical engineer. I don't know if it was a huge transformer or what he was working on, but I believe it started arcing. And just you could see the raw electricity there and the fact that this guy didn't die. He could have came so close to it also. Uh, It just goes to show it's such a powerful force that even though we use it, uh, you know, if, if it's done, if things go wrong, it could be just like that. It's over. All right, and then going over to another listener, uh, Bernardo, checking in. Hey, John. It's Bernardo from Mexico. I've been a listener of the podcast for the last couple of weeks. I've been really enjoying it. I've been enjoying your point of view, the subjects you've been touching on. And seeing as this next week is open mind episode and... I know you had probably a near near death experience, perhaps. I wanted to share with you an idea that I've had. It's a little bit out there, but I think it's fun to play around with, which is the idea that maybe near death experiences um, somewhere else were actual death experiences, sort of like a multiverse jump kind of thing. I had a near near death experience myself. A while ago, I almost drowned. It's a long story that perhaps I'll share some other time. And I couldn't shake off the feeling that 
perhaps I did die somewhere else, but my own consciousness just jumped to a reality where I didn't die. I don't know if that makes sense. Sort of like, I don't know, maybe in some other multiverse or whatever, people are living without me, you know? I died there, but perhaps my consciousness just took me somewhere else that is all the same, but in one where I did survive. So kind of like the only event that is different from that multiverse in this one is that I did not die in this one and I did over there. I don't know if that makes sense. That that idea kind of comes up in my head when I think of of multiverses and a lot of people see multiverses as like universes where everything happens, you know, every different sort of um, mix of things and ideas. But I subscribe to a, another multiverse kind of theory where it's, it isn't exactly that everything exists, but every, let's say, bifurcation maybe. So whenever you you make a decision, you split the current one in two. And then when you make another decision, you split it. So every decision bifurcates, if that's even a word, um, sort of like splits like a fork, like a like a path in the forest where you have, you know, you, you have to make a decision left or right. So I think maybe every decision we take or decide not to take perhaps creates this navigation between different multiverses. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And I'm glad I'm in the multiverse where you didn't die. <laughs> well, thank you for your thoughts and your interesting uh, feedback there. You know, one thing that I had read up on that if you haven't looked at it already, and you very you, you may very well have, and uh, it's still, you know, even if you have, it's always just fun to read about it some more, uh, is the thought experiment, that's really what it is, just interesting, uh, read about quantum immortality. It's, it's called quantum suicide or, or quantum immortality. And it's exactly what you were saying, where it's a, it's a proposed uh, thought experiment that says, and mind you, even though it sounds very technical, you don't need to have a full understanding of physics to, to read about it. That it says exactly what you were saying. So let's say you're supposed to die. Then in one universe you do. Um, but then just because of, I guess it was called quantum uncertainty. or Even if there's the slimmest chance that you don't, then it forks out and then, you know, you, you never die. Uh, then you go to the one that you're still alive in. And that's how it always is. It's a very interesting theory, but that's exactly what I remember I had read about previously, and again, if you haven't already, uh, just just take a look at it. It's just it's a fun it's a fun thing to think about, um, but it goes along exactly what you were saying. So yeah, read about quantum immortality. And there's lots of resources, uh, lots of videos. Again, it's not the most technical thing, so anyone I think with any understanding, uh, rudimentary or otherwise, of physics 
uh, can take a look at it. And yeah, it's just, I always love these philosophical thought experiments. So thank you. Great to hear from you. And uh, now just going back over to some of our written correspondence, and then we'll wrap things up for this part of the show. Um, mind you, again, coming up next will be the discussion on uh, the Tro- Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, also known as COPPA. And uh, just a few thoughts there, and then some talk about shortwave, and then that's the show. I know we can't get to everything, but I'm trying my best to get to what I can get to. Michael is checking in, says, I could understand your situation and your views about how fragile life uh, can be, how quickly it can be over. A little over five years ago, I was fighting a very aggressive form of non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Discovered it when it was already stage four. Five years prior to this, I became disabled after a failed back surgery. I have pain every day and have difficulty walking any distance. But anyway, after having many rounds of chemo, uh, doctors thought I was clear of cancer. But two weeks after my last chemo treatment, I got some kind of bug. Last thing I remember was telling my daughter I would be fine and to go to school. And the next thing I know, I'm in a hospital bed and someone taking a breathing tube out of my throat. Turns out my daughter came home from school later and found me unresponsive. I have no memory of paramedics or the local hospital or being transferred to a hospital in St. Louis, Missouri, an hour away from where I lived. I was in a coma for five days. I have no memory at all. Uh, After that morning, until I woke up five days later, from what my wife and daughter told me, I was very close to dying. And then about two months later, I learned that the cancer was back. So after six rounds of chemo treatments, they did a stem cell transplant, That finally has kept me cancer-free for the last five years. So life can be fragile indeed. Make the most of every day that we get, because you never know when it could end. But I'm so glad to see you're recovering very well and keep up the good work. So thank you, Michael. And uh, you're you're a true fighter. Yeah, it just goes to show you just do not know. You don't know, but good on you for making it through. And uh, I think like I had said earlier, just stay strong. So thank you for sharing that, and, and glad to see at least that, you know, your daughter found you and was able to, you know, they were able to get you to the hospital at just the right time. Uh, Tommy is checking in, says, I have, a hin- I have a history of getting hurt in pretty ridiculous ways, but thankfully none of them have caused any permanent injury, but here's what I consider the big three. I was probably around 10 years old when I was trying to show my friend how to do a backflip off his bed onto the floor. After watching me do it successfully, he asked me to show him one more time. I seriously misjudged my acrobatic abilities, ended up landing face first on the corner of his wooden bed frame, which busted my face open just above my left eye and unfortunately covered his room in quite a bit of blood. After seven years, uh, the same friend and I decided it would be a good idea to make a video of me jumping off my parents' kitchen counter and through a framed glass painting supported between two chairs. This was obviously a terrible idea. To interject, with all due respect, it, it is a bad idea. I'm sure you know that now, but going back to your email. Uh, the first part of my body to hit the painting was my right hand, which by the time I hit the floor had about 15 pieces of jagged glass lodged in it. 
and again it also caused a significant amount of bleeding everywhere, which in turn made my friends start vomiting. The glass was lodged so deep that it took a few hours of, of surgery to fully get it out. And the preface to the last one, yes, I know how much of an idiot I am for this, and yes, I have learned my lessons, um, but when I was 18 and partying with my friends, we went to pick up a hallucinogenic substance. Uh, on the way back, I decided, already being extremely inebriated at this point, that it'd be a great idea uh, to now try something that I'd always wanted to do, which is jumping out of a moving vehicle, like you see people do in action movies. Yep, you guessed it. Another completely awful idea. It was stormy that night, and as soon as my feet hit the pavement and I tried to roll, I just slipped and cracked my head on the curb. I ended up bleeding from the skull and lightly concussed, but still somehow, with no other injuries, I woke up only a few seconds later. After I jumped, I just walked back to the car feeling more or less fine. My friends drove me to the hospital, and I decided this would be a good time to ingest the hallucinogenic substance. Another 10 out of 10 decision by your boy. And that was an interesting hospital trip, to say the least. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you, you know, you've owned up to it, and I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you how ridiculous that was, but, I mean, because you already know, and I'm sure you've been told that so many times. I, I like a play on words at the end there. Interesting hospital trip, yeah, it's, that, that's, that's the cherry on top, but, but, you know what, look, it wasn't your day. It wasn't your day. You made it through, um, but, you know, despite all of that, at least you realize now that I, I messed up, it was stupid, and, you know, you learned your lesson, but glad you made it through either way, and you emerged, finally, you know, the, the wiser from it. Well, I think we got a, enough time for probably one or two more emails, and then we'll just get on with things. Uh, Julia in Georgia was saying, I feel you on the sleeping situation. Uh, what I do is play Sudoku on my phone before bed. The app I use has a nighttime setting, so it's easy on the eyes. Uh, your show is giving me a lot of calm during a turbulent time in my life, and I wish you some more luck with your recovery. I know you mentioned avoiding some spicy foods, but what about salty foods? I think that's worse for the tongue cuts. Yeah, it's, that's uh, the salty food, too, you know, it's because it's exactly like the phrase goes, you know, salt on a wound, right? That's no fun, but so, I, I mean, it was very annoying when those injuries were fresh. Um, because that's when it's really bad, you know, to talk, to eat, to even just have your tongue, like, sitting the wrong way. If, you know, the cuts are brushed up against your teeth, then that hurts. But thankfully, you know, it's it's because the mouth is just a, a moist environment and it's sealed a lot of the time. The cells are able to regrow quicker and the injuries are able to heal faster. So thankfully, everything is healed there, and uh, I'm able to eat, eat what I want again, which is great. But yeah, the salty foods too, those big no-no, you just got to avoid them. So many things have so much, I mean, salt in them nowadays that it's kind of tough, but there's always a way. So thank you, Julia in Georgia, for checking in. And uh, last, we hear from Ethan in Connecticut, longtime listener, 
says the new VORW podcast is the highlight of my Thursday. And I listen every week. Uh, he wants to know if I've ever watched and enjoyed the Star Wars movies. I'm a fan. I'm a super fan myself. I've seen the movies countless times and know even uh, the most minute details about some aspects of the series. And as such, I'm excited for the new installment that will be released next month. Uh, Though some are quite doubtful that the movie will be satisfying, I remain cautiously optimistic that J.J. Abrams will do a good job. So thank you, Ethan. I'm more of a fan of the classic ones, you know, the original three, and then even the ones from the 2000s. What was that? Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and um, Revenge of the Sith. But after that, I haven't I haven't seen any of the new ones. I'll have to one day. Um, I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about them. I'll have to check them out. Yeah, Star Wars is good. I don't have any sort of problem with that. And uh, you know, hopefully the newest one will be good. I hope you enjoy it. Out of curiosity, if you're tuned in right now, what's your what's your favorite one? What's your favorite um of all the Star Wars movies? The new ones, the old ones, the brand new ones, and you know everything in between. Uh, which one is your favorite? Out of curiosity. So if, if you want to answer that, let me know. Anyone who's a Star Wars fan, if you want, join in. And, uh, yeah, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Out of curiosity. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, next week the show will just be about whatever it is. I like doing these freeform ones, so the show will just be about uh, whatever it is. And uh, that's that's completely fine. So, yeah, your thoughts are always welcome. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Coming up next is that discussion I was kind of talking about earlier uh, about uh, COPPA. I was very frustrated in it, but I think we just need to know what's going on and how it might affect people. Look, it's really, really scary, but lend an ear and uh, decide for yourself. It's an opinionated editorial and it merely reflects my views and not anyone else's. So take a listen. This is VORW. So this is an interesting subject, and it's it's one that I've been asked about a couple times, and something that I was I was concerned about something that I read up on, and it's something that I wanted to you know, kind of open up for discussion uh, here on VORW. And it's something that's been enacted immediately on YouTube that is impacting every last person that creates content on YouTube. And granted, uh, you know, while... Not everyone, obviously, makes content on YouTube. Uh, I think a lot of us, at least... I I mean, of course, this would impact me hugely. But I think, at the very least, many of us have perhaps had aspirations for for, maybe making something. Maybe you'll make something just for fun, not seriously. Or you know someone who is. Um, But obviously, it's a lot of people. And the fact that this isn't talked about more, it's concerning because I think it goes to show the kind of stuff that can happen and we will just let it go right by. Now, that doesn't always mean that it's, if it's not talked about, it's obviously bad, 
Um, but just the fact that there is almost no discussion on something that can have huge implications, it's, it's concerning to me. We've, we've seen this a lot. We see this with a lot of issues, with a lot of things. But just, I understand that if there's this very light discussion and that's okay, but the fact that it kind of just gets, you know, brushed off, like it's deemed unimportant, is just bewildering to me, quite frankly. But I suppose it just is what it is. I think maybe it's a conflict of interest with the dying television industry uh, when it comes down to YouTube. You know, you never hear much about YouTube in the news unless it's unless it's negative about it. I wonder why that is. <laughs> you know, but it, it is it is what it is. Obviously, no, oh, obviously TV is in trouble. Uh, you know, Netflix, YouTube, all of that. Just you know, they've been taking away the share for a very very long time. I don't even have cable TV. I just go old school over the air, or I just use the internet. But. I would have thought that they would have pounced on this because, you know, as things often are, uh, it can be portrayed towards someone or something in a very negative light, even if it's not true. So I thought that they would have just jumped all over this. One thing, a lot of people are blaming YouTube for this, but it's really, it's it's the federal government. So if there's, if there's someone that you want to get upset at, you know, blame, blame the feds because that's who, who, who did this. So this came to be a result of a settlement with the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, known as the FTC, New York Attorney General, and YouTube. So what happened, essentially, was you had the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, known as COPPA, which it, it forbids collecting data from children under the age of 13, without explicit consent from their parents, okay? So, the law says you can't... You, you can't collect the data from kids. You can't do that. Well, earlier in the year, apparently, YouTube violated this, uh, this law violated the children's privacy, and, well, it collected their data. So, they were fined $170 million, and as a result of this settlement, YouTube was pretty much told, look, we're letting you off easy, um, but you can't run things the way that you did anymore. So as a result... Every channel on YouTube is now legally required to comply with the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. And the biggest change is that you need to tell the YouTube algorithm if your videos are made for kids or if they aren't. And you're given three options. The best way to do it is if you go to your channel settings, you know, it's like if you if you know you create one form of content or another, you can say, yes, set this channel as made for kids. I always upload content that's made for kids. 
Or you can say no, set this channel is not made for kids. I never upload content that's made for kids. Or you can say, I want to review this setting for every video. Now you might say, well, that sounds easy enough, right? Just, all right. You know, I, I maybe I make some kind of kid-friendly content, um, make some, some videos for kids. Uh, sometimes I don't, so... All right, maybe I'll just set it, you know, for each video. The ones that are, you know, that I do for the kids, I'll, I'll set for that. And the ones that I don't, all right, you know, right? That's no problem. They make it easy and everything's good. And I'll be able to continue on the channel as usual, uh, get the content out. And that's right. That, that's fine, right? Well, not so fast. Because you might say, okay, if YouTube was forced by the feds, not to, you know, collect data on kids anymore. Wouldn't there be a little more to it, perhaps, than just saying that it's made for kids or isn't made for kids? Absolutely. Here's the thing. If you set your content as made for kids, kiss your channel goodbye. You are dead. Uh, it's over. It's gone. If you want to kill your channel in the most, the quickest way possible, make a video for kids and market as made for kids, and it's dead. It is, <clears throat> it is the epitome of dead in the water. Uh, quicker than even the time they put one of my videos in restricted mode, uh, which I still will never know why that happened. Uh, quicker than anything that's ever been demonetized, uh, taken off the, the algorithm, you name it. And this is just the way that it is. I'm not even trying to call anyone out. This is literally just what happens. Um, starting in January, they will limit the data we collect on made-for-kids content to comply with the law. This is from YouTube. They say, this means we will start disabling certain features like comments notifications, and others. More importantly, we will not serve personalized ads on kids' content as required by the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. Not serving personalized ads on kids' content may result in a decrease in revenue for some creators who mark their content as made for kids. We recognize that this won't be easy for some creators, but these are important steps to ensure compliance with the law and other applicable laws. Uh, also, if you set a video or live stream as made for kids, again, no personal advertising, no comments, no channel branding watermark, no donate button, no cards or end screens, no live chat, no live chat donations, no notifications, no playback in the video mini player, no super chat, you cannot save it to a playlist, and likewise, you cannot have any channel memberships, and no merchandise will be available either. And if you set your channel as made for kids, you will not have any of those features on any video ever. Uh, and also, there's no community tab, no notification bell, no memberships, uh, no playlists, no YouTube stories, and also, of course, no memberships. Whew. 
I hope you know what I, what I was trying to get to when I said, your video is going to be dead. You know, it's like saying, you mark it as being made for kids, then guess what? You will be able to upload the video to YouTube, and uh, that's about it. Don't ever expect anyone to find it, uh, or watch it, or be able to help you out in any way, shape, or form, um, because that's just not going to happen. Now, granted, as they say, that'll be able to prevent them from taking the data for kids anymore, uh, but at the same time, it's going out directly and, I think, punishing the content creators as well. Now, here's the thing that I want to know, and then we're going to get into a little more discussion. I think that YouTube did overstep their, their bounds, and they did the wrong thing by collecting the data for kids. But at the same time, I really sincerely wonder if the federal government is intentionally targeting YouTube here. Because if they went after YouTube like this, then I want to see them do the exact same things to every other major social media site as well. Um, because you damn well know that they'd be doing the exact same data mining on the kids as well. So if they're willing to go after YouTube like this, uh, then I want to see them, if they haven't already, uh, go after all the other sites too. And you might say, why, that's going to ruin the internet. But otherwise, it's a massive display of hypocrisy. So, let's wait and see what happens. Um, but either way, it, it just it sounds like it's a, a, a terribly confusing situation, and uh, just a mess as well. Uh, I really feel bad, you know, for, for content creators who were just... And I'm not talking about the people who try and cater to sick pedophiles, because that stuff is real, that stuff... It's disgusting. I don't even want to talk about it, but that stuff runs rampant. And it just, it sickens me, honestly, just even thinking about it. You know, n number one, if you ever see any of that type of stuff, anything that's, you know, you even have a bad feeling about, make an anonymous report, because you might be saving, you might be saving lives. I've been watching uh, a lot of news broadcasts that have just been saying, look, this stuff, even though sometimes you hear about it and they make it sound like it's just conspiracy theorist nonsense, this stuff can really happen. There's lots and lots of bad people out there. Just do what you can to protect the kids. Don't overstep your own bounds, but if you see something, say something. That goes for a lot of things. Um, but either way, of course, there's a lot of bad people out there that try and take advantage of kids. And that applies to many, many platforms online in the real world. Of course, YouTube being one of them. Um, and sometimes, you know, you'll have these content creators that do this shady stuff. And But I'm talking about the, the content creators, right? Who are sincere individuals. And maybe they're, you know, educators. Maybe they just, maybe they're a family. They like making stuff for kids. They make... Uh, legitimate children's videos, children's music, you name it, right? What bothers me is how are they going to be impacted by this? Like, are all their channels now going to be completely and totally dead? Uh, you know, that's a shame because YouTube, even though some people try and say that it's not a real job, a lot of work can go into it. So I really, I just hope things get worked out for them. I hope uh, that, you know, just... 
they're able to find a way to get around it. I would imagine YouTube Kids is impacted by this also, because I think a lot of parents might just put the kids on regular YouTube. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed that, look, something gets worked out here, but it just sounds like it can be a really, a really messy situation either way. You know, but, but here's the thing, right? This is one other thing that's gotten a lot of people worried. Number one, what exactly is content that's made for kids? What exactly is it, right? Like, where, you know, if a kid is someone who's under 13, then what, what, because the type of content that a 12-year-old and a 5-year-old watch is quite different. The variances are incredible. So then what is exactly something that's made for kids? A video that has a lot of 12-year-olds watching it might not necessarily be, you know, made for kids, yet they still watch it. So then is that video thereby made for kids? Where do you draw the line? So here's what the official guidelines say. According to the FTC's guidelines, a video is child-directed if children are the primary audience based on the factors described below, or children are not the primary audience, but the video is still directed to children based on the factors below. So even if you make a video and a bunch of 40-year-olds watch it, but they consider it made for kids, then hey, tough luck. So here's what it is. These are the factors. Subject matter of the video, such as educational content for preschoolers. Whether children are your intended or actual audience for the video. Whether the video includes child actors or models. Whether the video includes characters, celebrities, or toys that appeal to children, including animated characters or cartoon figures. Whether the language of the video is intended for children to understand, whether the video includes activities that appeal to children, such as play acting, simple songs or games, or early education, whether the video includes songs, stories, or poems for children, any other information you have to help determine your video's audience, like empirical evidence of the video's audience. And a kid is uh, formally defined as anyone under the age of 13. So, the next issue is, okay, well, now that complicates things a little bit because I thought it was just as easy as saying, is this, like, children's content? Now I realize it's a lot more complicated than that. And then here's the next thing. Like we said, if, if you go ahead and mark something as being made for kids, right, but, you know, you, you've, you've lost all your money. I'm reading a paragraph here. Uh, we asked creators to go into Creator Studio, disable personalized ads uh, for a few days. Now, based on our initial testing, a video not running personalized ads sees a loss in revenue between 60 and 90%. So if a video could generate $100 in revenue, 
for creator right now with personalized ads running, uh, characterizing the video as directed to children uh, would mean the video's revenue would drop to somewhere between $10 and $40. And again, if that's something that you do for, for a living, a 90% drop in revenue is extremely serious. But here's even, here is the cherry on top, ladies and gentlemen. Facing a loss that large might be enough to make some uh, creators consider not checking the direct the children box, even if they make videos for kids, right? You know, why create, <laughs> why, why click the box if it's just going to kill everything, right? I need, I need to get a paycheck. I need to live. But the consequences are stiff. If the FTC decides an uploaded video is kid-directed, but sees it is not marked as kid-directed, the creator could face a fine of over $42,000 per video. And that financial liability is enough to bankrupt most creators. YouTube also plans to use machine learning, for better or worse, to implement a system that will find kid-directed videos uh, to identify them as such, even if creators didn't check the box. $42,000. If they deem, if the FTC deems, and let's say, hey, look, I thought that it wasn't kid-directed, the, the, the terms were really, really confusing here. I, you know, I, I didn't know. I, I mean, I made family-friendly content, but... I didn't think it was kid-directed. They say, no, guess what? It is. You know what? Here's your fine. That, to me, is terrifying. And I want to get your thoughts on this. What do you think about the new, uh, the new workings here with YouTube uh, in regards to the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act? Uh, you know, while I think that the kids should have their privacy protected. I think everyone should, quite frankly. Do you think that YouTube is finally getting, you know, put in their place for collecting data? Or do you think the federal government has gone too far and is restricting to extremes uh, what you can or can't upload or what the repercussions uh, would be for it. So, what do you think? What do you just think about this whole situation? I think that it's an absolute, uh, complete mess. A lot of people are really, really upset about this. Uh, they're angry at YouTube for going ahead and, and doing what they did, um, but they're also especially angry at the federal government and the FTC for, for doing this. And a lot of people are really, really angry. Uh, as of now, over 300,000 people have signed a petition on change.org. Granted, petitions really don't do much, but it does show that there is a, a large number of people who are very dissatisfied with what's, what's going on here. And they don't want to be told that you can do this, you can't do that. And if you upload something that's completely harmless, too bad, you might get a fine of $40,000. Uh, we might strip you of your livelihood. And, it, hey, you know what? It just is the way that it is. Get used to it. This is the new reality. So I want to know your thoughts on this. Uh, do you support it? Do you think it's for the best? Or do you think that, 
you know, maybe the, a huge mistake has been made, um, or you're kind of just like, well, it is what it is. It's not going to, imp- I don't even upload a damn thing, so why should I care? Uh, what are your thoughts? Send in your comments right now to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Now, I mean, I say with my own content, uh, both the, the radio shows and everything I do on the main channel, uh, it is it is not made for kids. It never has been. Um, I even remember in 2014, in a talk that I gave, I was saying, look, I don't... I don't make this for kids. I try to make it for a little bit of an older audience for, for people, perhaps, you know, who are obviously not kids. Um, but the statistics, the analytics, uh, you know, go ahead and they, they prove that. So I would say my content is not made for kids, uh, nor has it ever been. I, I try to keep things family friendly. I try not to be, uh, make any sort of, of, you know, anything too degenerate and, and, anything too offensive or anything, but that does not mean it is made for kids. I wanted to talk about this a bit because it's just, it's, it's very concerning to me, and usually I don't, uh, get this fired up over stuff, but it, uh, it's, it's very, very bothersome to me. I just wanted to go ahead and just read some more excerpts, uh, from an article, uh, from The Verge, and whether you agree with them or not, it's a good article. You know, it's called YouTube's new kids content system has creators scrambling. The government can sue them for thousands of dollars. And it's it's written by Marquina Kelly and Julia Alexander. So those are your authors. Uh, let's just go through uh, some of this. On Tuesday afternoon, YouTube formally announced its plan to have creators label any videos of theirs that may appeal to children, right? And, you know, it goes on to say everything that's going to happen, right? And it's it's left some creators clueless as to whether they're subject to new rules. Uh, reached by The Verge, Google confirmed that this new system was the result of a landmark $170 million settlement YouTube reached with the Federal Trade Commission in September for allegedly violating children's privacy largest fine collected under the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, uh, which forbids, again, collecting data from children under the age of 13. In this case, the ruling means YouTube can't employ its powerful ad-targeting system on anyone who might be under the age of 13, a dire problem for a platform with so many young users. Uh, The new system is already sending creators reeling over what is considered kids' content, and what could happen if they unintentionally mislabel videos. Some of YouTube's most popular categories fall into a gray area for the policy, including gaming videos, family vlogging, and toy reviews. Creators are being held directly responsible by the FTC. Dan Erdley, who reviews collectible toys on his channel, Pixel Dan, told The Verge on Wednesday, So if the FTC decides... That we are indeed targeting children will be fined, and that is frightening. It's especially scary uh, because the the verbiage of kid directed versus kid attractive isn't very clear. It's hard to know if we're in violation or not. Now, 
children's advocacy groups, on the other hand, uh, like Common Sense, feel that the rules don't go far enough, and that placing most of the burden on creators rather than YouTube itself won't do enough to protect kids online. However, uh, the rules are entirely consistent with what YouTube is required to do under this settlement order. And they felt that the settlement order fell short for kids and families and all the protections that they need. So it's, I mean, you can see that it's a really, really, really tricky situation. It's extremely confusing. I'm trying to explain it as best I can here and just what will impact uh, perhaps you or me. But again, don't go waving the pitchforks at YouTube exclusively here because it's not like they're saying, let's do this. Again, it's the federal government that's going ahead and kind of forcing them to do this for better or for worse. That's for you to decide. I personally, I want to give a personal opinion here. I I think it's a very messy situation. I think the kids can be, they need to be protected. Again, I think all of our privacy uh, should be protected. It never will be, and never is. We're being spied on even if they, you know, they say we never are. That's just the way that it is. Now, continuing, in theory, YouTube has always been subject uh, to the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, uh, but these restrictions have taken on new urgency in the wake of the recent settlement with the FTC. Right, and again, interjecting, it seems like this whole system, like they rolled it out, and the FTC wants to punish the channel creators people like you and me, rather than the system that was collecting data on the kids in the first place. We're not sitting there saying, we want to go ahead and collect all this data for the young kids, right? That's not, we, we just want to make content and that's it. So it just seems like they're, they're, they're going after the wrong people. And I think that the FTC is going about this all wrong. It's just such a, such a tough situation. But anyway, within YouTube, it's clear that child-directed videos will have fewer advantages on the platform. Uh, the most obvious is the renewal of targeted ads, uh, but a number of other YouTube features are also impossible without personalized data. You know, of course, a no comment section, no cards, end screens, notifications, community tab... Uh, all of which, of course, are powerful tools for driving viewers back to a channel. But the consequences for not labeling a video as child-directed can be even more severe. Uh, in its September order, the FTC made it clear that it could sue individual channel owners who abuse this new labeling system. Crucially, these lawsuits will fall entirely on channel owners rather than YouTube itself. A big, big mistake, if you ask me. Under the settlement, YouTube's responsibility is simply to maintain the system and provide ongoing data updates. So punish you um, for doing something that you had no control over to begin with. And again, that'll be $42,000 for each mislabeled video. So obviously, if, if they're trying to flag multiple videos of yours, it could grow to a staggering scale. In a video yesterday, YouTube also pledged to use machine learning and flagging algorithms to locate child-directed videos that have been mislabeled. Creators won't be able to appeal these decisions, uh, though YouTube spokesman spokesperson said the company will be listening to feedback. 
So again, if the algorithm says your video is uh, made for kids, hey, guess what? It is now. That's, that's life. If the algorithms aren't effective, YouTube could stop using them entirely and face no threat from the FTC for doing so, leaving creators solely accountable and open to potentially life-altering fines from the government. So I don't know. I don't usually rail against the government uh, like I am in this broadcast, but I think that a grave mistake was made this time around, and I, I do not agree with it at all. I'll provide a link to the uh, petition in the description. Again, it's, uh, I know it won't do anything, especially when you're going up against the government, but, you know, let your displeasure be known. That's all I'll say. If you disagree with it, again, I know I have some personal bias in this one, but I admit that I do. I'm not going to uh, just, you know, say it like it's fact. I'm just going to say, look, I disagree with it, but I want you to make up your own mind. If you support it, you support it, and that's okay. I'm not I'm not going to inherently hate you because you think differently. That's I, I get it, you know? Uh, maybe your circumstance is different. I understand. Um, but if you disagree, uh, you can find a petition on change.org. It's called Save Family-Friendly Content on YouTube. I'll also be providing a link to it in the description. Now, again, you know, I am not too concerned with my own content... Uh, being, you know, for the kids. But if it gets flagged, uh, you better believe I will uh, completely and totally uh, raise hell over that. So we'll see what happens. I'll keep every one of you updated. And just on a snarky... It's not really snarky, but just on a little last plug, because why not? I've been talking for so long about this anyway. Just remember, with shortwave radio, no data on anyone of any age, anywhere, is being collected. It's the last medium left where no one's tracking you. Again, your thoughts on this are welcome. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com uh, Send in your emails, your feedback there, and I'd be interested in knowing what your thoughts are on this. Just, I think whether you support it or don't, I think I think we could all agree it's just a mess. One way or another, it's a mess. You're tuned to VORW International. So those are my thoughts on that. Uh, obviously, very controversial. Um, you know, just... It's scary. It's scary, and we just gotta wait and see what happens, but... It's a terrifying reality. I know that this next part of the broadcast might be a little repetitive, but, you know, it needs to be done. Look, I know I promote shortwave radio here and there, but radio is an important medium. Look, I know this isn't the 20s and 30s anymore. We don't sit around and listen to the radio, but it's something that we need to have, if anything, to fall back on. And I'm really sincerely wondering if this is what's going on and, and, and people are just letting this happen, then what's next? Take a listen, and if it interests you, it interests you. If not, that's okay. Really fired up today, but I can't help it. It's, I'm just shaking my head. That's all that I can do. This is VORW International. I know that for regular listeners who have who have been here for a long time, who have either A, been listening 
through the months, uh, or B, you know, have just have gone through the entire back catalog and have recently binged, listened to uh, many a show. I know it might seem repetitive, but it's a, it's something that I believe in, and something that I just I I always want to reinforce every now and then. Um, but this one, I just want to keep it short, and we'll just we'll quit beating around the bush, and we'll get right into the point. It's my opinion, but it's one that I feel strongly, and one that I stand by completely. Uh, and that's, I think radio is still important in 2019. It's going to be important going forward through the 2020s. And it's a medium that I think a lot of people forget But still, to this day, despite how some may view it as antiquated, has an awful lot of value to it, even now. And I think it's one of those mediums that we kind of, if we're not into it, we forget about it until we really need it. But even in the meantime, there's there's a lot more to it than just using it for emergencies. And we know what AM and FM radio are. Uh, One thing, of course, that I... Uh, dedicate a lot of time to, and that I just try to let the world know exists, is shortwave radio. And shortwave radio, the best analogy that I like to use, is think of it this way. It's similar to AM radio, but the signals travel really, really, really far. So, on FM radio, you can hear a station in your local area, On AM radio, you might, if you're lucky, be able to hear a station, maybe, you know, might end up being 50, 100 miles away. Uh, But on shortwave, you can hear a station that's 10,000 miles away. And of course, going back to the days before the internet, right, it makes sense why shortwave was used. Uh, It was a way to literally connect with the rest of the world and, and listen to broadcasts from other countries, stay in touch with things, um, because the information was instantaneous, and it was able to, it was able to cross those boundaries. It was able to get from one point to the next instantly, uh, traveling thousands and thousands of miles. And the signals are able to travel so far, just thanks to the atmosphere. It's like reflecting light off of a mirror. The signal's able to bounce off of it, reflect back to Earth, and you know if the frequency is right, then the signal is able to reach far, far away, and it's able to cover a huge area, too. Um, So obviously, back in the old days, right, shortwave was very heavily used, um, but it's still used to this day and age. There's still hundreds of stations and many listeners, and obviously, if there wasn't something that the medium had to offer, who would bother anymore? One of the biggest uses shortwave radio has at this point in time is reaching listeners when everything else is cut off. Because let's just go and and look at North Korea, for instance. No internet. Government highly restricts television, written publications. FM radio, forget about it, and AM radio is pretty bad, too. How, How do people get free information over there? Through shortwave radio. Uh, broadcasters such as the Voice of America, the BBC World Service, uh, NHK Radio Japan, uh, KBS World Radio from South Korea, many independent stations 
They all have transmitters hundreds if not thousands of miles away and are able to beam the program for listeners in North Korea to hear crystal clear. Uh, Same thing goes to areas of the world that are war-torn right now, places like Syria that are going through a really tough time and the infrastructure just isn't there. Right, People might not be able to listen to local stations or local media due to censorship uh, or simply the lack of infrastructure, but when the program is coming in from a transmitter hundreds of miles away, people are still able to get that information with excellent quality at that. And, you know, obviously listeners just in very remote rural areas, uh, such as people in the Amazon in Brazil. There's many, many stations that target listeners there because, quite simply, that's the only way to get information in. And one misconception I think a lot of people have about shortwave radio is that they think like it's this big, giant, clunky uh, CB radio or this ham radio or something, Um, but it's not. It's a portable radio, could be extremely small. It still comes with AM, FM. And you're just able to pick up shortwave with it. That's it. It's it's not like some giant box you have to carry around. It's a lot smaller, sleeker, and more portable than that. But one thing that I realize more and more is that even in media-rich environments, uh, where we're, you know, for now, we're guaranteed the internet, even if everything is okay, shortwave radio still proves itself useful. Um, Because even here in in the United States, there's still lots of interesting programs that I can listen to on a daily basis that even if they're available online, I I just, I'm not motivated to seek them out on my own. Um, But when you're just flipping through the radio and you kind of come across it out of the static, it's just a lot more enticing and you just, if, if, if you know what I'm talking about, it's a lot more interesting to tune in. Because in today's media environment, domestic issues get focused on so massively, and it seems like the rest of the world kind of gets forgotten about, in a sense. And one reason why I enjoy shortwave radio is that there are still lots of stations uh, that broadcast news and information that you just won't hear over here, plain and simple. Stations like Radio Romania International... All India Radio, The Voice of Turkey, Radio Prague, Radio Havana, Cuba. The news information and viewpoints that they provide on a daily basis that you can hear. It reminds you that there's more going on in the world than you think, and that all these places still exist. Also exposes you to just a lot of great cultural information, world music, just interesting programs that... Again, I just, I would not have stumbled across them otherwise. And of course, not everything is ethnic. There's lots of domestic broadcasters, too, uh, that do provide interesting music shows, entertainment programs, uh, political talk shows, uh, lots of conspiracy theorist stuff, too, if you're ever interested in that. It's for you. Religious programming, you name it. What I'm trying to say is that this medium, though neglected by many, still has an awful lot to offer in 2019. And I'll just say this once. It can be a lot of fun, and really it can open your mind, give you a new perspective about a lot of things, when everything is good. In times when things kind of, well, when they give out on us, 
for us, of course, over here, it's mostly severe weather, but if it ever ends up being government censorship, civil unrest, we just don't know when this will happen, but especially in times of severe weather, when power gets knocked out, internet goes with it, uh, in times of massive snowstorms, hurricanes, uh, even, of course, tornadic activity that just damages the local infrastructure, radio is there for you. The radios that I'm about to suggest to you also come with AM, FM band, uh, and I guarantee they outperform anything that you have right now. And if the infrastructure is completely down, I guarantee you will be able to know what's going on through shortwave radio. Uh, there's many news broadcasts there that you will be able to, to stay in touch with what's going on in the world. That's a guarantee. Information is a precious, precious thing. I think radio is one of those things that gets overlooked until people need one. Just like with the power outages in California. Great way to stay in touch with things. Still know what's going on through local media, national, and international press. So, radio is just one of those things that's valuable, I think, and just when everything is going great, and especially in emergencies as well. If you want to get a radio, I highly suggest it. Even if you just keep it in the box and never use it, again, a time will come when you will be glad that you have it. I guarantee, old-fashioned it may be, it's incredibly reliable, and it will be there for you when you need it most. That's a promise. Price-wise, they're inexpensive. I mean, considering all that it has to offer, you literally have the world right there. It's inexpensive. I would personally recommend the Texun, that's T-E-C-S-U-N, PL380 receiver, uh, the Texun PL310ET receiver. Uh, I mean, those two, great, great portable radios, small but very, very useful, uh, for only like 40, 50 bucks. Sometimes it's cheaper, and they last. That's another thing. Little pricier radios, look up the Texun PL660, uh, the Texun... PL-880, or the C-Crane Skywave receiver, that's C-Crane, and an inexpensive radio that, I mean, get it if you want, it won't, it's really cheap, you'll only be able to hear the real strong stations with this, so just, that's a disclaimer, but it's something, and, and trust me, something is better than nothing. It's the Reticus V-115, that's R-E-T-E-K-E-S-S, V-115, that's just 20 bucks right there. A great resource to see all that's available and more is my Amazon store. I say that because it's a way that you can stay informed. You can get what, you know, I feel that would be very useful. And at the same time, it helps this show out too. It's a win-win. Amazon.com slash shop slash the report of the week. That's Amazon.com slash shop slash the report of the week. And one other thing that I should mention if you ever want, uh, my own show is broadcast on shortwave. I'm able to get great signals for listeners in North America, South America, Europe, the Middle East. A and listeners just say it's a lot of fun to be able to hear it on the radio. It's just, there's a certain aesthetic to it, you know? It might not necessarily be essential at this point in time anyway, but it's just fun. It's, it's a media preference, but a lot of people say, you know, I never, never thought I would do this, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. And, Thanks for the recommendation. I love it. I mean, I could give so many testimonials about this stuff, but I enjoy it for a reason. And if I thought that it was all crap, I would say, 
I would just say, the medium has nothing to offer and the radios are worthless, but I disagree. Because it just, I see it right in front of me, and it's been proven to me time and time again, especially uh, in the cases of hurricanes, you name it. Those radios, they keep me in touch with the world, honestly. And the only other thing, if you're interested in privacy, uh, let me just say, in an age where you're being tracked, everything, you know how it is. No one knows that you're listening when it comes down to shortwave. That's why I shout out the email so many times, but if you ever want to listen to programs, never be tracked by algorithms, you name it. A shortwave is the one medium that guarantees you complete and total anonymity. You could listen to anything you want, and unless someone else hears you uh, within earshot, no one would ever know. So, hey, just one of the last mediums that, if not the last medium, that guarantees you some privacy as well. But if you're interested, uh, make sure you check it out. Valuable in emergencies and during regular time as well. And uh, on a final note, of course, if you're kind of thinking about shortwave, if you want more information on the medium... If you're kind of thinking, eh, you know, maybe I will. Uh, maybe, can you give me a, more, a little more info on uh, the radios? Um, you know, can you give me the best frequencies on how I can hear your show, uh, etc.? And if you would just like all this info in writing, send me an email at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. That's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. I will help you out, and I will get you all the information that you need, all the links that you need. I I will help you out. I can guarantee you that. So check it out, and hey, happy listening. And that's all that we have for today's broadcast. Uh, Thank you very much for listening into the show. I know I was a bit fired up earlier, but it's just an issue that I feel very strongly about, and, and that's it. But you can feel any way that you want to about it, and that's totally fine. So... And this is a broadcast where all are welcome. You can agree uh, with what I discuss. You can disagree. And that's completely fine. You know, just because you think differently doesn't mean I have any anything against you. You could be the world's biggest supporter of COPPA, but that doesn't, in- that doesn't inherently make you a bad person, you know? Not in the least. As far as I see it, we're all a community of listeners here, and that's what counts. So thank you very much for tuning in to today's program. And uh, I know that there wasn't any set topic. I mean, to tell you the truth, I really enjoy um, what I've been doing with the shows lately. It's a lot of fun for me to not have a set topic, but to kind of have like um, a subset, you know, where... In the last show, it was kind of like, talk about anything you want, but if you have any feelings in regards to injuries, etc., you know, then you can correspond uh, about that, but you don't have to, right? Uh, Kind of like this show also, um, the thoughts on Kappa, but also uh, Star Wars too. Um, But otherwise, just talk about anything you want. So next week, it's just going to be similar. Discuss anything you want. Do you have any questions, any comments, uh, pieces of feedback, anything? It's a lot of fun. And if you have any thoughts, they are most welcome. So if you have any questions uh, in regards to any current events, um, YouTube, the paranormal, uh, shortwave, uh, radio stations, I mean, anything, honestly. 
You want my views on anything? Uh, any just topic suggestions, points for discussion, uh, articles you want to bring my way, anything? Feel free to let me know. Uh, contact address is always open. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. I know that uh, the show is a little late, and I apologize. Better late than never. There are just some issues trying to get this done. Uh, you know, this is this is the last thing I'm recording right now. Just this tiny little closing statement, but it was just the, the show just took a little longer than I anticipated to record. And then the biggest issue is that there is a minor power outage. It just so happened that that impacted the computer I was working. Uh, with everything on, and I hadn't saved the file yet, which was a big mistake on my part. So when I lost power, I, I thought I had lost everything, and there goes a two-hour show just down the drain. But I was able to recover the um, the show, but not everything got recovered, and I had to re-edit a lot of stuff, and it was it was a mess. But hey, we got it done, and I hope you enjoyed the show. So thank you for listening. Glad you made it this far, and we'll see you next week. Dear listeners, do take care. This is VORW.